If you're like me, you haven't been to a zoo in a very long time. I frequently took my children growing up. I've occasionally tagged along with my grandchildren in days like this with COVID and politics. I wish I could take a trip to the zoo. I'm thinking of needing a visit thanks to a story of orangutans at the Denver Zoo. The mother had recently died. Still a young child by orangutan standards, two-year-old Sarah was left without needed parenting. But not something that happens out in the wild. The unexpected took place. Dad stepped up to the plate and has now become Mr. Mom. The male orangutan tenderly cradles his child and calms her fears that a two-year-old ape encounters. Now that's something I need in a spiritual sense. Jesus compared himself to a mother hen looking after her chicks. Even God, our Heavenly Father, stays close and cares for those he loves. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Friday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a month-long series called Meeting Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. It has been well said that the Christian life is counterintuitive. To love your life is to lose your life. To die to sin is to gain victory over sin. The way up is the way down. Time and again, Scripture testifies that the more we receive the grace of the Spirit, the more we will be out of step with this world. Our priorities will be different than this world's. Our habits and commitments, our allegiances, we will stand out. But we have to ask ourselves, especially in times like these, are we standing out because of a faithful public witness for our Lord or because we're using Christ's name for our own purposes? In a moment, we're going to look at two stories from the Gospel of Luke that speak of Christ's unique humility and how his humble role as our Savior can transform our proud lives into lives that worship God alone. After the program, I'd like to send you a very special feature film called The Gospel of Luke. This DVD lets you choose either the NIV or the KJV as you watch the gospel play out before your eyes with talented actors in very real Middle East locations. It'll bring the gospel story to life. I've never seen anything quite like it, and I think it'll help you better understand the life of Jesus. After the program... This is me now, inviting you to pick up your phone and call us. Maybe make your first gift of the year to this listener-supported ministry. And then ask for it, and we'll send you the Gospel of Luke DVD. Here's the number, 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can go and watch some sample scenes of the DVD on our homepage, and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now, coming off an album called Essential Worship, we open with Delirious. Oh 
It's sometimes called Here I Am, but the exact title is Majesty, opening this haven today by Delirious on a program called Meeting Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for being with me. Putting Jesus' name on a movement doesn't make it a Christian movement. And that goes for both the political left and the political right. People on all sides of the political spectrum seem to have a tendency to turn their cause into the cause of Christ. That's the intuitive thing to do. But the Christian life is counterintuitive. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not taking a political stand on this program. But I am hoping that you will join me in listening to the Spirit's voice from Scripture. God's Word has a totally different agenda, the agenda of Christ's kingdom. We do well to quiet ourselves and listen to what God says to us, his citizens. We're coming to the end of week two in a month-long series called Meeting Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And today, I want us to turn to chapters 13 and 14, where the Messiah shows us just how counterintuitive being a Christian really is. The way to triumph the way to glory is actually through humility. Let's listen in. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up. And praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Haven Today, and an excerpt from the Gospel of Luke DVD that we want to send to you for your gift to this ministry, and a reading that we just heard from Luke 13, 10 through 17. In this and the surrounding passages, we are shown three pictures of humility, and I want to look at each of them. The first picture of humility is our own humble condition. In the passage we just heard, we heard the story of the crippled woman who came to the synagogue. We're told that she had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. She couldn't straighten up at all. Luke is the only gospel writer to tell us this particular story. And by sharing it with us, Dr. Luke gives us a picture of our humble condition in this world. You may have money. You may be pretty comfortable. You may be poor and struggling to get by. Well, no matter your status in life, you and I have something in common with this woman. We're all living in a world wrecked by sin. 
She is bowed down low by her condition, and that is exactly what all of us are like before the Lord. Apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, we stand before God crooked. Worse than that, we suffer from supernatural evil. This woman's condition is said to have been given to her by a spirit. Peter tells us that Satan prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil does this by afflicting us, body as well as soul, in hopes that eventually we lose faith and we abandon God. That's our condition in this world. It's a humility that we have no say over. We didn't come into the world of our own volition, and we can't control how our spiritual enemies will choose to oppress us. But none of this is outside God's plan. For 18 years, this woman in Luke 13 was bent over, and yet there she was in the synagogue, a place of worship, still trusting in the Lord, even in her suffering. When Jesus healed her, Luke tells us that the woman praised God. Her humble condition led to two things, her healing, but also God's glory. Life can feel like one defeat after another, can't it? Don't let that feeling pass you by without giving it to the Lord and asking him to use it for his glory. He uses our humble condition to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. Humble yourself before him. Another picture of humility in these chapters is Christ's humility. He's the Lord of glory, but look at how he's moved with compassion in our suffering. So often in the Gospels, Christ heals only after being asked by those who were sick or oppressed by demons. But in this instance, Jesus healed her immediately after laying eyes on her. Woman, he said, you are set free from your infirmity. The Messiah came for this very purpose, to set us free. Christ breaks that terrible yoke of Satan. He releases us from the bondage of sin. He heals us of our infirmities. He does it again at the beginning of Luke 14. Jesus encountered a man suffering from chronic swelling, and he healed him. With both the crippled woman and now this suffering man, Jesus healed on a Sabbath. And in both cases, the religious leaders were angry because of that. They had a different vision for this kingdom from above. Entrance into the kingdom comes by rigorous obedience to law upon law, even made up laws. But they did what Paul later warned of, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Jesus made a contrast between his way and the way of his opponents. In chapter 13, he described the wide door that people enter through to their own destruction. Then he described the narrow door, which leads to salvation. It's so easy to miss Jesus' meaning here. It is true that the narrowness shows that relatively few, a remnant, will enter it. But there's more here, and it demonstrates Christ's humility even more. Wide doorways and gates conjure images of grand, regal, earthly kingdoms. It's the very picture of strength and power. So many in Jesus' day, as well as ours, think that that's how to get into the kingdom of Christ. That kingdom will be glorious, of course, but the way in is by way of a narrow door. Like the lowly gate in a small village, Jesus stands at that door, calling the crippled, calling the suffering, all the humbled ones to come and enter in. Don't be tempted by the grandeur of earthly power. 
It so often looks enticing. And when Jesus' name is associated with it, it even looks godly. But Christ has taught us better. The way is narrow. We must humble ourselves to enter in. A final picture of humility in these chapters, our humility. So let's listen to more of what Jesus had to say. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So, taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours, If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Luke 14, 1 through 14, another reading from the Gospel of Luke DVD. There is the humble condition we are born into in this world, broken and sinful. But there's also the humility that all Christians are called to pursue. In the passage we just heard, Jesus rebuked the religious leaders for taking the seats of honor at banquets, more examples of being enticed by worldly prestige. But the Lord tells them that godliness does the opposite. He says that when you are invited to a banquet, You shouldn't assume that the seat of honor is for you. Sit in the seat of lowliness, all the way in the back. In other words, humble yourself. In fact, that is just how he sums up his teaching in verse 11. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's the counterintuitive call of the Christian faith. Exaltation only comes when we humble ourselves. How urgently do we need to hear this today? The kingdom of God is not realized in this world through political maneuvering or legislation. We thank God that he has given us leaders in this world, but we don't put our ultimate trust in those leaders. 
And as believers, it's our duty as citizens of God's kingdom to resist rallying cries to worldly glory. That's the pathway to the wide door. But we are to enter through the narrow gates, the narrow door, the gate of humility. We cling to our Savior, who came down from heaven to save us. Before he sat down at the right hand of God the Father, he was first enthroned upon a rugged cross. There is no glory without humility first. Won't you humble yourself before the Lord today? He calls us to take up our crosses, to follow him. That costs us everything in the end. But along the way, he's always with us, and he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. His spirit is our guide as well as our comforter. And when the trials of this world tempt us, remember this promise. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Very counterintuitive, but it is the truth. Why don't we take a moment to pray? Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for sharing your word through divinely inspired authors like Dr. Luke in the third gospel that we explored together again in these past few minutes. Lord, we don't know what's going to happen or what we'll experience in the next few days. Lord, there could be violence in our world. There will in certain places, if not Washington, D.C. But we pray that your people, all of us, right now, will get on our knees and stay on our knees to give our lives to you, to humble ourselves before you, to not look to ourselves or any other human being to lead us. May we see the leadership of Jesus Christ leading us on this road of life and then on into glory. So that's what I want to pray, Lord, right now. And I pray all of us would be praying that your will be done in our lives and the lives of where we live in these next few days. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself, Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And He will lift you up. And He in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And He will lift you up. And He will lift you up. Humble thyself. Humble thyself. Humble thyself. In the sight of the Lord, 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 and He will lift you. He will lift you. He will lift you.
The Haven Quartet, in a song they sang years ago, Humble Thyself, Meeting Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. I hope that you have been inspired these past few minutes by the words of Jesus to seek to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord this year. I can't think of a better way to do that than to spend time with the Lord by reading the Gospel of Luke. Set aside time with me to read through Luke. Do it at least once before January ends, and read it more than once if you can. But to help you better understand this gospel, I want to send you a DVD called The Gospel of Luke. There's no better way to experience the ministry of Christ than with your eyes, your ears, and your heart. This feature-length film dramatically portrays the story of Jesus. Skilled actors, it's shot on location in the Mediterranean, I like how it's word for word from either your choice, the NIV or the KJV translations of God's Word into English. I know this DVD experience will help you begin a new year, freshen your walk with Jesus. Call us right now. Make your first gift of the year and we'll send you the Gospel of Luke DVD. Our number is 800 654 2836. 800 65 Haven. Or go online, watch sample scenes from the movie, and make your gift then at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? But again, we'll share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Grace and mercy, two words that we hear a lot, but what are they? Two sides of the same coin. Grace gives blessings to undeserving sinners like us. Mercy restores desperately lost wanderers, also us. The coin is the Lord's love, and He's not stingy. All we need are empty hands and a heart that recognizes our need. Words of Christ in Matthew 11 remind us all who are weary, come unto me, I'll give you rest. His arms are open wide and his yoke is light. Grace and mercy are his to give and by faith grace and mercy are ours to receive. Like he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.